Okay, tell the group who you are, uh, what you do, about your family, how long you've been at Otter Creek. Okay, um, my name is Scott Broadway, and uh, I am a teacher at Lipscomb Academy. I teach seventh grade uh, uh, history, world history, and geography. Uh, I've been at Otter Creek now for about five years. Uh, my family is Catherine, my wife, uh, and four daughters, Abby, Josie, Becca, and Tess. Uh, Abby is uh, that uh, wonderful age of being 13, so we finally have a teenager in the house. The other three are still in the elementary, and so we're, we're entering a fun season uh, in, in parenting. Uh, but we moved uh, about five years ago to, to come to a place that we thought would be a great place for relationship. Great. That's good. Um, all right, so this class is about walking with the Spirit, and we all, I think everyone would agree that that's a, our spiritual life is a journey. So if you were to describe to the class, what is the difference between your walk five years ago and your walk now with the Lord? How would you describe the difference, if there is a difference? Well, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, uh, when you're walking on this faith journey, there are uh, oftentimes uh, unexpected sections of road to travel. Uh, and, you know, everyone's pretty aware of uh, some of the challenges that have, have met Catherine and me head on. Um, as I think about it in terms of a, a faith journey, you have to put it in context of um, the overall journey that, that both of us have been on individually and now that we are, are traveling together. And uh, I think for me, as I, as I think about the, the progression, it's hard for me not to go back and to think about how faithful God has been through so many different seasons of life. Um, and I'm so grateful to have had times when I really have felt like God was directing and leading me from the time that I was very young I had kind of almost an unnatural uh, awareness of his presence and of his leading um, and that you know I, I, I probably am a, a little out of the ordinary in terms of especially in major junctions really wanting to seek and be open to God's leading in unexpected ways it was a, a from a faith that was born out of being, uh, it was interesting because I think we changed so much. Josh, for those of you who haven't been in first service yet, you know, the series, I feel like we identify with uh, each character characteristic that he's talking about um, in different ways. And I remember feeling very much like the personality type that's discussed today as a, as a child. I felt like an outsider. I had a lot of things that set me apart from other people, but the thing that was constant was uh, awareness of, of God and being drawn toward Him through great Sunday school teachers and um, having just an aware, you know, a love for the Word. And so He was my shelter when I had medical problems or when I was trying to go through really awkward stages where I felt like, no one can understand me or want to be around me, uh, and you know those sorts of sorts of things. And so I had that um, kind of background that I really felt like Jesus, God, was my closest relationship, uh, which propelled me into a Christian college experience that uh, opened my eyes and, and kind of ironically became one of the most difficult times to remain close to God with so many other good options 
uh, out there when I attended Lipscomb. Uh, I sometimes felt like I was farther away from God spiritually when school was in session uh, because I was so involved in so many different things that there was constantly a pull. Um, well, this walking by faith was something that as I was getting ready to, to, to stop uh, being at Lipscomb anymore, I really realized I, I need to be better connected and what do you want me to do with my life. Um, and in this crossroads time, uh, you know, I, I really started praying about what am I going to do after college. And uh, the former Soviet Union broke apart during that time. And I ended up going uh, for a mission experience for two years to Eastern Europe um, that I never could have imagined beforehand. And as, I, as you're initiating your adulthood and you have one of those kind of experiences where you just say, boy, God has laid something on my heart. And there were so many miraculous things that I can't um, take the time to, to discuss right now, but really pray, God, if you were real, if you were there, I was kind of captivated by uh, Christian uh, biographies at that time, of people who had, who had been missionaries and had felt the call of God. Um, I, I found myself opening myself up to the possibility and then seeing the Spirit work in pretty remarkable ways to get me there. Um, after you have an experience kind of like that, every major crossroads that you come to then, you're like, okay, I need direction and show me. And it's a really challenging thing because sometimes we want God to respond in a way that's familiar. Like, you did last time. Can't you just make it like a billboard? Like, can you just um, give me the, the little miracle or speak into my ear? And that's not how he is. Um, he is living and vibrant and there may be some patterns that you establish that help you to draw close, um, but it's that that continual desire to draw near. And so if we go back to five years ago, we were in California and really praying and seeking uh, for an opportunity. We had been um, blessed to uh, have a surprise adoption three and four uh, within a very short period of time. The home that we had was not going to be big enough. Um, the, the prospects of being able to buy a home in Southern California for a six family, you know, six member family. There, there were so many things that we had, had, had talked about, about is this the place that we want to raise our children? It seemed like it was a crossroads and we were really um, seeking for the Lord's direction uh, in terms of what we were going to do. And so I think this process of me, okay, I'm kind of humming along, and then a crossroads time comes, now I'm going to really seek um, to, to, to be connected, uh, to, to hear from God, and to, to know what the next right step is going to be, because it's a big choice. Uh, and I think that because there is a lot of um, performer in me, like performance in me, like this is what I do and I'm, I'm, I, I need to exceed expectations in all of these areas. I, I guess the best way as I've tried to describe it in the past, I, I might be um, playing on the field, I'm a football player and God is the coach. And uh, you know I'm going along doing what I'm supposed to do, and occasionally I'll get a play that that gets sent in. Um, it wasn't the intimate, continuous, daily, hourly dependence, um, but it was into okay. Now there's a big play. Let's let's check in with the coach and make sure that we that, that we've got the right play called. Um, and so. Five years ago, I think I was still a part of that because I, I was very much in, in Southern California feeling like I need to be a, a great teacher. I need to be a good leader at church. I need, and, it, and it was based on, uh, of course, praying about everything, but I was getting a lot of the 
the strength and the impetus from self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the biggest thing that would change is that when you get an unexpected turn in the road and there are things that you can't control and there are um, things that you wish you could make go away or that you could um, perform better and exceed expectations to the degree that you didn't have you know you didn't have anything to struggle with um, it, it humbles you and I think the biggest lesson that I've learned in in terms of spiritual work and the work of the spirit through his people is that it's much less about us as individuals than we often think um, I have been amazed from our Otter Creek family to our Lipscomb family that when our family has met with crisis, when we've met with um, things that you never anticipate needing to to worry about, um, I've been so amazed that God's Spirit works among His people in a way that when the body is hurting in one pl- in one place, um, that they rise up and minister. And our personal experience for Catherine and me has been that so many times God has made His presence real to us through conversations or actions where we we look and say, you know, we didn't even realize we had this need, um, but someone from our family, our extended family, have raised up to meet that need before we even knew we had it. Uh, and so there's this there's this part of walking with the Spirit where the fruit is being born naturally and not because we're striving to do it. And I think that's been my biggest uh, striving to achieve it or to attain it or, or to be it for someone else. Um, so many times it is the Spirit breathing through you the word at the right moment or the thought that compels you to do something that um, meets a need that someone didn't know that they had. And that's a, that's a completely different living in the Spirit is different than trying to be a good person and to do the right things. And so I, I think that for me, this class has hearkened back to me, uh, you know, because you have different seasons, and I think becoming a husband, becoming a father, becoming an adult, there's so many constraints on your time and, and the way that you think that um, we lose something of the vitality of our young faith, um, and this has kind of been echoes of youthful Christianity to me, this class, and this, this call to come back to just let me let me hold you and let me worry about what's coming next and where things are coming from and so that's that's probably the biggest and, and I'm sorry for the long answer yeah, but the precious. but the uh, the, the progression is one that, that that's awesome and thank you for sharing that kind of big picture with us okay so the last question is share a recent event where you felt or knew or sensed for sure that it was the spirit working in you. Well, I think that if you are in a profession where you have been given the opportunity to be in someone's life, whether you're a physician or attorney or a teacher, um, those relationships aren't there by accident. Um, I think uh, as a teacher, I've had many opportunities to, to be aware 
of you know what God is doing in someone's life and hopefully be the kind of person that can can speak life uh, to someone else and just recently and lot a lot of times for me you know I, I feel from reading in scripture uh, there is a, a compulsion to do something other times and those that's like when I, I feel like I'm being really open what's been remarkable to me lately is how when it comes from another person something that they say and you get that inner conviction um, that to me has been a, a much like like yeah I need to have those ears all the time and Catherine and I were meeting with um, with a, a woman just on Friday night at our home and I was convicted in, in terms of a group of students at uh, Lipscomb Academy and how am I how am I helping them to know that they are cherished and that God has a future for them, like with intentionality, um, reaching out to a segment of the population that, uh, like in theory, we're, we, we would certainly say, of course, well, that's what we want. But personally, how, have I invested in that way? And so I'm kind of in the middle of how do I respond to that now? But and so, felt that but, I, but I felt that urging, that pull to, hey, don't, don't forget this is for you too. Um, let me just say, having now raised adult children, any seventh grade parent would be so delighted for you to be their teacher and have that, just that sense of this is bigger than what's your test score. Anybody have any questions that you'd like to ask Scott? He's shared so openly with us, and I really appreciate that. Thanks, Scott. Oh, sure. Nobody has any nosy questions you want to ask because, you know, free to. Well, I, I'm just, I would just encourage you because, you know, I, I, you, you never want to sit in the front and say, you know, we've got it figured out or uh, anything like that. But his word is so true. And what I try to encourage our girls is to, to put, the, put the Lord to the test. He's big enough to challenge. Like what his promises are true. And when he says, draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If it hasn't been your experience to hear a voice or to feel an inner pull in your, in your walk with him, um, we should be living in attention, and he should be. I think about you know a stringed instrument. When when it gets pulled, it makes a sound. Like we should be responsive to the hand of the master in our lives. And wherever you are in the journey, um, you can always move closer to him. And and by presenting yourself openly and asking for him to pick you up and, and, and to make you a beautiful instrument or an instrument that is you, a tool that's useful in his hand, he's going to be faithful to that if you can, if you can pray and, and really seek that. That's great. And when yes. will you become a preacher? <laughs> <laughs> I say classes just yeah. done a great job. Let's give Scott a hand for giving us all. I like that. It's always, um, this class is really challenging me. Honestly, I'm going to cry. Um, surprise. Oh, surprise, surprise. I know. But stop it. Uh, but because, um, because God works just like I, so I sent a text to, to my three children who are in town and said, can you do breakfast, lunch, or dinner this week? And each one sent me a radically different response that was positive, but like totally different response. And um, I think God works with us in such different ways, very unique ways. And so it's a real challenge for me to talk about walking with or in the spirit. Um, 
because I have my own personal long history and I was actually uh, this morning going, God, I just don't feel very adequate. So anyway, there you go. Um, the teacher says he's bad at the beginning, so there you go. Um, this is what we're trying to do with this class. Um, we know that, that the thing that distinguishes us from the rest of the world is not our belief system, it's not our behavior, it's the fact that we have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Nothing else makes us different than that. I mean, the, really nothing on, on the face of it makes us different. And, and so what does that practically mean inside of us? What does that born again, filled with the Spirit, God himself dwells inside of us, what does that mean? It should mean something. And I don't mean that in a guilt-inducing way. I mean that in an opportunistic way. Where you go, huh. It's like, wait, my grandfather left me a million dollars that should mean something in the decisions of my life and how I do things and what I spend my time in. Huh, you know, so you start to think that. Um, so we're talking about a framework out of which we live and, and scripture is really clear about this framework and I'll review in just a minute. And then we're gonna practice some simple things. Um, so remember that we talked about this sense of who we are and, and scripture is just very clear about this so so we're sort of tripartite beings so Paul says I would that God in first Thessalonians 517 or thereabouts said I would that God would preserve you holy that your body no that your spirit that your soul and your body would be preserved complete until the coming of our Lord and you look in scripture where Mary says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced. David talks about his body and his spirit and his heart. And, and so you, you see all of these things. Let not your spirit be troubled within you. And, so, and that's not just language. It's not just Christianese. But, but that's actually referring to locations. Not just ideas, not just made up ideas, but it refers to locations within us. Ways that we live. And so... Our, our body is our world consciousness. We have senses, we have drives. There's a voice in our body. Ask any 17-year-old boy if he has drives, and if he's honest, he'll ask for help. Okay, so, so we have senses. So through our body, our body then links to our soul, and we, we get input from our body, okay? And it links to our soul, and then our soul needs to decide what to do. So our soul is our self-consciousness, mind, will, and emotions, so our thinker, our decider and our feeler. So the feelers, maybe if you're working from the outside in, the, the brain s contains the mind. The will decides, makes a decision based on all the input that it has. And our feeler then expresses maybe the deepest part of our soul. And a lot of writers will say begins to connect downward into our spirit. So the screen that God often uses is the screen of feelings and pictures and things within us that percolate up into our soul. Our soul needs to, needs to hear God, needs to discern God to, to, to encounter God. Right, God can be everywhere, but, but if our mind, will, and emotions don't in some way encounter him, then we're, we're kind of not fully sure that, that he's there, right? So God also comes in. So, so we have X-rated input from external and maybe X as well, and we have G-rated input from God, and they come in different ways into us. 
And so we have God and, and the Spirit of God living within us, and we have a spirit. Or maybe we might say we are a spirit. I like to say I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. It says when God created Adam, there was dust and there was breath and it went ruach and blew into him and that the joining of the two is a soul. But when you die, this goes with God and this falls back again. So there's something here, that spirit part of us. And I like to think of the spirit having three parts, conscience, intuition and communion. Conscience is sort of a north arrow. It's, it's sort of a knowing of right and wrong. Scripture says in Romans 1 that, that, that everyone has a sense of right and wrong inside of them. You can squelch it. You can harden your heart against the, the radiation of the conscience up into your being. You can harden your heart and make it bam hard so the conscience can't bother you, but you still got one. Um, intuition is sort of an inner knowing. You talk about women's intuition, and, and that's maybe true. It maybe just has to do with the fact that they can use both halves of their brain and aren't brain damaged like males are. But there is also this spiritual intuition where the spirit can know things, can discern things, can understand things that you can't explain because you're really good at reading body language. Okay, there's, there's kind of, and, and when God is within our spirit, then there's revelation that comes up kind of like how the Garden of Eden is watered. It rises as a mist within us. And we know that we know that we know, but we don't know how we know. We just know. Okay? And then there's communion, which is the place where we connect with God. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit. That's not just a made-up, oh, isn't that a cute phrase? No, that is a reality. There's a, there's a location within us through which we best worship God. We can worship him with our bodies. We can worship him with our minds. But God is spirit, and he seeks worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth. Okay, so, so you go, okay, those aren't just church words. Those are words that have real meaning in our lives. What does it mean this morning in church to worship him in spirit? versus worshiping him in mind. What, is it, what does that mean? I'm spirited. No, it's not like this team's got great spirit. No, it's, it doesn't. It's a location. It's a way of going about things, okay? And so we're trying to get that. And then we talk about the flesh, which is sort of this, this weird, it's not really our bodies, it's not really our mind, but it's this fallen nature that, that turns. And we talk about people then who... Um, there's also something called the heart, and we'll maybe try to get into that because it's really key to our being. Watch over your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. So we'll talk about our hearts. We are what our hearts are. And so here is this handsome guy with the parts uh, sort of displayed. And so scripture talks about, Paul talks about three kinds of people. Pneumaticos, he says, I cannot talk to you as spiritual men, pneumaticos men, because you are men of the flesh, sarkikos men. But a little later he says, but the natural man can't understand the things of the spirit, their foolishness to him. So he says, you're a natural man, which is psychikos, psychology. You're a psychological man. This doesn't make sense to me. That, that, those people raising their hands and dancing, that is so foolish, right? Because why? Because I'm looking at it from a psychicos mentality or modality, and it appears foolish. And so scripture says this, the one who is pneumaticos appears foolish to the one who is primarily psychicos driven, right? And so scripture will be, will be evaluated differently this way or this way. So Jesus says, unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, blah, 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 
and everybody leaves him. But Peter goes, wait, the words that you spoke to me are spirit. And Jesus said, the words I spoke are spirit. And Peter says, those words have given me life. Okay, because he was appraising them here. And they did their work here, even when they couldn't be understood here. Okay, so there's, there's this dynamic that goes on that sometimes you can read a scripture and you go, whoa, whoa. And all of a sudden, deep, you can say, oh, it touched my heart. Well, it maybe did, but deep in your spirit, there's this communion. And you can start with a piece of scripture and close your eyes and God says, and furthermore, and off you go. Connecting with God, ideas flow, you, you start to cry, you start to go, whoa, that was, I just had this crazy idea and I'm writing it down as fast. You know, so what is happening? You're connecting through your spirit to God. And it doesn't have to be dramatic, it'd be exactly what Scott said. It's this just sense of, of God is there. And so God is there working outside and he works through circumstances, he works things, but he's also, and more primarily, inside working on the inside, the secret place of the Most High. Right? I enter the temple of the Lord. The, uh, my body could be seen as the outer court, my soul could be seen as the inner court, and my spirit could be seen as the holies of holies. The temple is a picture of the human body. We are a what? Temple of the Lord. And so there's again another way of looking at that tripartiteness. Um, the reborn Christian whose soul typically leads looks like this. The soul is kind of what you encounter. They're, they're good people. They're nice people. They're, they're, they like the Bible. They're good parents. They're hard workers. They're, you know, they're, they're yeah. And it's, I, like, I kind of like communion today because he said they're, they're like that 99%. But where's that? There's, there's like, I just, there's something I'm missing in my walk. There's something that I'm hungry for. There's, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, you know, that YouTube song. And, and so... And so, because that something can only be found in direct communion with God. It just can't be found another way. Okay, that's, that's, that's what I would say. That's what I feel. That, that when we connect spirit to spirit with God, there is an intimacy and a dynamism and a sense of well-being, a, whatever you want to call it, that just can't be experienced another way. And, and it's not an exclusive thing. It's a wide open invitation. But we primarily, I think, in many circles, we're sort of, this, look, this happens in all of us experience because this is our makeup, right? You don't not experience senses from your body because you don't think about it. You experience senses from your body. And in the same way, your spirit doesn't not work because you don't think about it. So what we're trying to do in this class is say, how can we on purpose stir that up more? How can we on purpose order this, our mind, will, and emotions to be able to read, hear, and discern from this place where the Holy Spirit dwells on, on more of a continuous daily basis rather than kind of a, an ad hoc basis or an accidental basis? Does that make sense? Okay, so this is all sort of, we probably won't get much past Yes, it's already 10.30. Okay, so there's one interesting tidbit. So when you start to think in terms of body, soul, spirit, then tidbits around Scripture pop up and you go, whoa, wait, what? And so here's God right after the flood. He says, my spirit will not strive with man forever because he is flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. He's like, 
capping it off. Now, that is not God's punishment, that's God's mercy. Because when somebody is primarily a flesh man and you give them 900 years, they get really bad. <laughs> I mean, they, when you got 800 years to work out your perverse sexuality and the body is never satisfied except with new stuff, you get really, really, really bad. The earth gets really bad. And God says, look, in his going, there's another translation that says, because in his going astray, he is flesh. And so, so now watch this. This is science right here. This is the, the plotting of the lifespans, generation by generation of the patriarchs. This is the, the average lifespan. The flood hits, and there is a perfect exponential logarithmic decay curve down to 120 years. See, you're smiling because you know what that means. Because in biology, exponential decay curve, logarithmic decay curves, is an absolute biological phenomena. Um, radioactive decay is, an is a logarithmic decay curve. For, uh, cell damage is a logarithmic decay curve. And so you could say, okay, something happened right here that began to affect the human genome, the human DNA, the human cells, and age leveled out at 120 years, generation after generation. And the thing that happened was a, was a biological phenomena, a ground, earth-shaking biological phenomena. And God did that for mercy, and he did it because we're flesh. And you go, okay, so there's weird stuff in the Bible that, that they probably didn't, you know, when they're just recording the ages of the patriarchs, I don't think there is a conspiracy to make it a logarithmic decay curve. And so, so I've, I've done a lot of reading on this, and people say, well, they couldn't have lived 900 years. I mean, that's crazy. They couldn't. So, so they must have gotten the years wrong, or they were exaggerating. And you go, guys, come on. Okay, so let's. So just a tidbit, interesting tidbits. So this idea that I'm spirit, soul, and body has ramifications all over the place, including the, whole, the way the whole earth works now, the way our ages work now. If you go study aging, there's all these people who say, there's no reason we age. We can't figure out exactly why we age. We, we think it, it may have been cell damage from Bob Bar particles changed the DNA, but, but you could actually maybe back some of that out and maybe live another 900 years. I mean, and they use 120 years as our current cap, and you could probably live close to 1,000. I mean, you go and you go, okay, are they like reading this or are they just making that up from science? So it's interesting stuff. And that is a total aside because I'm, I'm geeky, okay? That, that, is a, that is an I'm sorry I'm so geeky. <laughs> okay, but the point of that was that this idea of body, soul, spirit ripples through all sorts of things in life you wouldn't think it would ripple through. Okay? Sometimes the healing of our mind happens through the spirit and comes up and heals our mind. Okay? Um, so here we are. So, so this is a Romans 8 thing. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And so, so here is the phenomena that all of us deal with. The little devil on one shoulder and the little you know, angel on the other shoulder. And, and it's a Romans 8 thing. And we're going to spend probably the rest of our eight minutes today to talk about that. I won't go to the rest of the stuff. But it's a Romans 8 thing. But remember Romans 7 where Paul says 
the good that I want to do, I can't do. I find myself doing the good, the bad that I don't want to do. But if I'm doing the bad I don't want to do, I'm not the one doing it. But flesh, evil that dwells in me, the one who wants to do good. So I find this principle working within me. Right? So he said, I with my spirit, my mind, wants to serve God, but this flesh is, how can I get out of this, this mess that I'm in, this life or death mess? And so Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Here's how I want you to work it out. And Romans 8 then is, this is how I want you to work out this dynamic that's, that's in your makeup. This is how I want you to do it. And so he goes on, and he says this, <clears throat> those who are according to the flesh, and that word according to means their modality, the way that they operate is primarily fleshy, set their minds on the things of the flesh. That is, I have a mindset that is primarily focused on or dealing with, even struggling against the flesh. Okay? That's just, it's, a, it's an all day thing. I'm taking, I'm taking some drugs. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm addictions. I'm trying to cope with it any way I can, and and nothing good comes from that. Those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, the mindset of the flesh is death. Now it doesn't say wrong. It says it's death. Remember we talked about the difference between life and death and right and wrong. Okay, God is about life and death situations. This gives you life. This brings death to you. We're about right and wrong things because what we have eaten from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and even the, the good in the tree of good and evil is death. Okay, the oh, this is like a whole Sunday, but but even the good in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil leads to death because the whole modality is right and wrong and performance and me having to be good. There's no place of just eating from the tree of life where there's rest and there's life. Okay? So even if I'm over here being a pretty good person, I'm getting the right, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm mostly on the good side, God's still like, yeah, but the whole thing is death. The whole way of living is death. It's going to be death to you. Even if you're really good at it, you're really good at something that's a loser. That's going to be death. I want you to be over here in the spirit, in life. Okay? So the mindset on Flesh is death. So the mindset, mindset, mindset. Um, those who are in the flesh. So now he's saying your mindset and where your mindset is, you go. You, you begin to reside there. You're in the flesh or in the spirit. You can't please God in the flesh. Even good flesh is flesh. Right? Even It's like a dog can't be a human. Even a really good dog can't be a human. It doesn't matter. Because it's not performance, it's nature. And the nature is a flesh nature. And so God's like, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't do it. I don't care how good you are, that's not the point. The point is, I want you to be a spirit being who happens to have a body right now, an earth suit right now. But I want you to be a spirit being. That's who you are. Don't you know? Do you not know? Okay, and so those are 
<clears throat> However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Yes, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So all of us then have this capacity to be in the Spirit. No one's left out. No one's, well, I just don't have the same spirituality as that Sunday school teacher. Heck yeah, you do. You have the same nature. We all have the same nature. God, God gives us the same invitation, the same opportunity. Wait, wait, before you leave that? Yeah. The last, verse, last uh, phrase in verse 7, for it is not able to do so. I've never keyed on that before. Yeah. You know, the flesh tries, I'm going to be good, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it says, no, you can't. See, it's like a dog saying, I'm going to be a human, I'm, I'm part of this family, I'm going to sit at the table, I'm going to learn to eat silver, you eat, not silver, not eat silverware, no, 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 use silverware. And, and, but it, it's not able to be human because it's an issue of nature, not nurture. You can never train the flesh to not be the flesh. You can't do it. It's, it's not possible. And so God says, please don't try. Don't try. Don't try. I don't condemn you because you have a flesh nature. You were born. I don't condemn you. I'm not mad at you because you have a flesh nature. I'm your partner. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I, I'm, your, I'm, your, I'm your friend in this. When you fail, I'm like, oh, I hate it too. Come on. I don't hate you. I hate the fact that this is the decision Adam and Eve made. There'll be a day when this all goes away. But until that day comes, we are going to learn to partner in amazing ways. And you're going to experience victory and intimacy and love. And this flesh nature, destined by Satan to be your destruction, will be the strength of your life. Right? The, the, the thing that's so profound about this to me is for so many years, even when I was in ministry, I had a hard time having a consistent time with God, seeking God, praying, mm -hmm. listening, and being in the Scripture. And when, when this principle came into mind, all of a sudden I realized I can't make that happen. Only the Spirit within me, depending on God, can make that happen. And when I made that switch from the flesh or the psychicos to the to the spirit, then there's no struggle for motivation anymore. Because I don't pray as a checklist. I pray because that's my source of life. Right. I read scripture not to get knowledge, but to draw me near. Yeah. I sit in silence not because I, I'm bored, but because... I'm listening. Right. And so it's it's that awareness of my dependence on a daily basis that that became so transformational for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I had breakfast with my wife every morning I'm home because I'm madly in love with her. It's like why wouldn't I, you know? She's a lot better than work, you know. So if we go a little long, <laughs> doesn't matter, right? It it's it doesn't matter. And so I have a question. Yes. So, the mind set on the flesh and the mind set on the spirit, so is that a function of the soul? Or yes. Or is that a submission to... So that's a function of the soul. It's a function of the soul by the leading of the spirit. Okay. Yep. In other words, this is not something you're stuck with. This is a decision that you make. Okay. This is an on-purpose decision to say, here I am in my soul. I can try to stay in my soul, and that's back in Romans 7, but how's that working out for me? 
So I have input here. I'm going to turn on purpose to the Spirit. And I'm going to say, God, I'm, I'm hooking my wagon to you. Kind of what Mike just yeah, exactly. I'm I'm going to, and 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 if I fail, it's like God says this isn't me. He says this is flesh. I hate it. Oh, he hates it too. Huh. So God and I are on one side of the table, and my flesh and my failures on the other side. And God says, let's work on it together. That's not you. Now Satan would love you to think it's you. I mean, his biggest lie is you and your sin are one in the same. You and your screwed up nature are one and the same. And God says, I got a secret to tell you. That's a total lie. You are an amazing daughter, an amazing son, whom I love desperately. And when you mess up, when thoughts, when you're trapped in thoughts, when you're trapped in self loathing, I'm like, ah. Because I don't cause that. Even sometimes you might think I do, but I don't. Um, the idea mindset on is difficult to translate into English because it combines, and this is a direct quote from Thayer's dictionary, it combines visceral and cognitive aspects of thinking. That is, this mindset is not just a cognitive thing, but it's your emotional connection as well. You can almost feel it, visceral, the viscera. You, you can almost feel this, I am turning everything within me to connect with God. And sometimes I just can't keep still. You know, sometimes I'm praying and I just, I just got to get up and just, God, you know, just, God, you're so good. You know, I'm just, I just, I have to, I can't not walk. Okay? Sometimes I'm, I'm sensing, I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him through the garden and I start walking. <laughs> just, because why? Because this, the mind is set. The spirit is more real sometimes than this life. That's the thing that's going to last. It's the thing that's going to stay. So, so step one of this process is, is we, on purpose, change the orientation of our souls. We just, we just say, look, from now on and for the rest of my life, I am setting my orientation and learning what that looks like on the spirit. I'm giving more weight, more importance to the spirit side of me. And I'm going to figure out what that thing is, what that spirit thing is inside of me. Yeah, great. It reminds me of, of Revelation when John said, I was in the spirit. Can you comment on, like, how does that relate to the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, so um, so we walk in the spirit, we live in the spirit. So what I sense, what he's saying is, is I I quieted my soul and stepped into the spirit, in a sense. It's a little hard to explain, um, but you you kind of you shut off other things, and God begins to play on on the on your inner screen. Okay, the screen of of. Um, imagination and and discernment that's there's a screen in there and he begins to play on that and John is seeing things he's hearing things he's he's like there he wasn't translated anywhere but he's there and he's seeing things we sometimes get snatches of it because you're walking and also you go huh and you go so God was that you let me let me just pull aside I've, I've even pulled off the road and just stopped and just 
but are, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just, you know, and I just, so God, is that you? What are you saying? You know, I, I want to, so I close my eyes to shut off the other screens because we're, we're going to talk about this. But I'll have three screens on the inside and God can show up on any one of those three screens, but the screen of the imagination is, is, is the primary one. It's, it's the one where the spirit first encounters when it comes up. But all of them can play out visually, aurally, whatever, with your sound, smell. All those screens are like life screens. And so for John, that was more real than him sitting in Patmos on a rock right then and there. Um, because it is real. It's not made up. But God comes to us in sometimes in symbols. He comes to us to communicate a thing that he wants to communicate to us. And so he will appear to us in different ways, bring different thoughts, bring different ideas. You know, and we won't have time to go there today anymore. Yeah, oh yeah, we got it. We're over. Okay. Can I make one thing? You know, yeah. one, of the, one of the most uh, powerful reasons that Muslims are becoming Christians is because of the visions that they're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, they're encountering Jesus, and they believe in visions. He said one of the one of the ways that Muslims are are converting to Christianity is because they have dreams or visions of Jesus. I know four of them who who said, "Oh yeah, Jesus appeared in a dream, and I'm a secret follower of Jesus." I know an imam who's a secret follower of Jesus because Jesus appeared to him and said, "Don't change anything, just follow me." So I mean, tricky Jesus. Okay, we're going to come right back to this slide starting next week. So thank you, Lord. Anything you said, make it stick, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yes? Can I ask what the other two screens are just for my processing? Yeah, so, yes, you can. So we have the screens of senses and drives. We have the screens of memory and analysis. And we have the screen of imagination and then God's input. Okay? If you look in Freedom Tools, it's in there. Okay. All right. Thanks. Oh, we should go two hours sometimes so we can just keep going.